I can feel the excitement welling up in here. I can't. We might not be able to get in the door for the excitement on, on, on that Sunday. I hope that's the case. I hope you bring your excitement in. It, it, doesn't work, it doesn't matter what anybody else is feeling. It's simply your review of how God has been since the last time you were here. Now, we count the second Sunday in March 2020 as the last time. But for some of y'all, come on, be honest now, you weren't here that Sunday. Wow. So it's a little bit longer for you, and I don't know when the last time you've been in here, but uh, I believe there is a, a pent-up anticipation just to be around folk who you know and who you love, and it doesn't matter when the last time was. If the Lord takes us to the second Sunday in July, that's enough praise for you to say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me back into this place. It doesn't matter how far you've been away. In fact, we all ought to come back like that's our first Sunday. First Sunday ever. Come on in here and let's, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate. I'm so excited about what's going to happen. Watch this now. Watch this. We've got a lot going on. Reginald brought us in in a powerful way to this, to this day. Today is a day of memory, though. It's a, it's a day of celebration, but it's also a day of memory. Today is a day of recognition. We come today on the cusp of what the nation calls Memorial Day. And I'd certainly be remiss, certainly be remiss if I didn't start this message in reflection. For all those mornings, I had to get up and put on green, O.D. green, battle dress uniform. All those mornings, I had to get up doing PT. I wasn't, wasn't happy about it. Not just me, but all those soldiers and sailors and airmen all around the world throughout time have gotten up to celebrate what we call freedom. So today we got to absolutely pause for a moment and recognize tomorrow as Memorial Day in the United States of America. But watch this now. We're not celebrating veterans. We're not celebrating those who served in uniform and who are still alive. Tomorrow's celebration is for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for their service. But I want to take you back for a minute and make sure you understand the true celebration that we have today. The reason why we need the 1619 Project in our schools and why we need to have truth in education is because people whitewash celebrations just like they whitewash other parts of our history. We need to make sure that all children no matter what their ethnic background or color, understand what the real history is of our country. Good, bad, or ugly, they need to know what the history is because isn't that what life is all about? Yeah, and so the true history of Memorial Day starts on May 1st, 1865. And it was started by former slaves in Charleston, South Carolina. 
Now it's interesting that it was Charleston, South Carolina. Let me tell you why. Because Charleston, South Carolina was the port that many slaves entered the United States from. Yeah, when they left the motherland, the first place 60, 40 to 60% of them landed in the Americas was the port of Charleston. And so there was a heavy contingent of former slaves in that area. And they came together because 257 dead Union soldiers had been buried in a mass grave. And they felt that that was absolutely inappropriate. And so watch this now. After the Confederate Army left Charleston, the black women in the community went to the site where 257 Union soldiers had been put in a mass grave. And for two weeks, those black women dug up those bodies and buried them individually and gave them a proper burial. After they did that, the freedmen in the community, freedmen, cleaned up the landscape, which was a former race course, and they called it the Martyrs of the Race Course. And then, watch this now, history records this, 10,000 people, most of them freemen, in cooperation with white missionaries and teachers, staged an unforgettable 10,000-person parade in memorial, in honor of those men who had fought for their freedom. 3,000 black school children walked along the parade route singing in memorial to these soldiers. It was a sight to behold. Wasn't until a year later that most history books record a white group of, so, of individuals starting a, a Memorial Day, but I came to tell you the real story. And we need to make sure we understand the real story because history is important. And the real history has to be told. The old racetrack is gone now where they buried those 257 soldiers. It was in a site called Hampton Park. Now it's called, it was named for a gentleman named Wade Hampton, who was a former Confederate general at the time. He was the, and he was a former governor of South Carolina. The old race course site is gone. And in 1880, the military had the good, site, good sense to reinter all those military dead in the National Cemetery at Beaufort, South Carolina. They deserved it. But that is how Memorial Day started. And of course, years later, our country formalized creation of a National Memorial Day. But I want you to know, I want you to know, the celebration happened because people were grateful. Because somebody gave their life up for them to be free. You need to hear me now. Yeah, these people celebrated the life of those who they didn't know but who fought for them, fought on the side of right so that they could live free. And watch this now. Memorial Day has a strange thing about it because even though we might be enemies in life, in death, we celebrate everyone who fought. That means enemies and friends are celebrated on Memorial Day. And so here we are today. We came to remember the fallen soldier. And we came to recognize exactly who it is we're celebrating. And that's the one who put on a uniform, 
went to a foreign land. Some have died on our land. Some have died from injuries they sustained while in foreign places. All of them paid a price, but some of them paid the ultimate price. So we celebrate them today. Specifically, we recognize the family member from the Garner family, touches 45th Street, and we celebrated family member from the Wells family. So don't think you don't know anyone in this congregation to whom you ought to be celebrating and thanking. And that's why people need to know, while Memorial Day we put on our books as the first big holiday, it's because secularly we get an off day, but it's far, far more important than just a day to bring out barbecue and beer. Far more important than that. So what is a memorial? A memorial is simply something that brings back the remembrance of a vivid event in our lives. But interestingly, Karen, you cannot, cannot understand the full scope of what a memorial is unless you use the word remember. In order to fully understand what a memorial is, you have to make sure you can remember what has happened. And so studying, studying Casanova Memorial means you really have to study the importance of memory. It's important. You can't grasp the full meaning of it without first understanding the usage of the term to remember. And if we take a scroll through, we'll see that the Bible is not silent on how we ought to go about doing that. And so when I think about the secular reason for which we've come together today, the Lord led me to a biblical way for us to, can I say, study, teach, preach this morning on what the importance of today is. And so today for a little while, I want to talk about we are soldiers. All right. We are soldiers. And as a foundational scripture for that, I want to take you back to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. Verse 14, and in that book, Moses wrote these words. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Now, what day were they talking about? What day was he writing? Can I tell you, Moses was talking about, and he was writing about, the Passover. The most significant event that had happened in the life of the Hebrew children was supposed to be recorded and preserved for the memory of generations to come. It was just that important. Because God, in that day, showed himself to truly be the one who was in charge of the world. He put Pharaoh in his place once and for all, and he lined up the children of Israel to become not just a scattered tribe, but become his people. It's when he culminated the taking them out of bondage, freedom, watch this now, freedom, and took them to the land, started the march for them going to the land that he promised them. And so it was fitting that the Passover day become a memorial. And it was also fitting that God said, God said, I want you to mark this day as an important day for you. 
Now, you can't really understand how important the Passover is unless you do what? Tell the story to somebody. Because everybody, everybody that's here today wasn't here then. It could not have happened. But it's because generations and generations have continued to tell the story that we now can celebrate. Just like there's nobody here today who was there during the Civil War. It's because generations have been telling the story and making sure that they stays preserved in our memories that we can even cause to celebrate today. Let me see if I can explain it just a little bit different for you. In order for you to remember, that simply seems to be a mind activity. But that's not what God is talking about. When he says remember, he says create a memorial. In other words, an activity that causes you to do something, not just think something. Yeah, not just think something. It's one thing to remember, but it's another thing to actively participate in a memorial service that brings credit to what's happened. You don't understand the usage of the term to remember in the context that God wrote it, then you can't give proper reverence to what he's saying. Let me bring it down a little bit further for you. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 22, the Bible says that God remembered Rachel. God remembered Rachel. That terminology is used in the same context that I'm talking about remembering now. But what it means is not just that Rachel's name flashed across God's mind. What it means is that God brought back to his memory, if you will, because God doesn't forget anything. But if he remembered that Rachel was barren, and when it says he remembered her, it means he brought about a change in her circumstance. Let me see if I can bring it just a little bit further. The other day I received a call from a friend, a friend who I've been really close with. He and I had spent a lot of time together. And I remember back in the day I had to loan him some money. Years passed. Really, I had pushed on and not thought about it anymore. But he called me up and said, my man, I just, you came across my mind and I remembered you when I got my bonus from my job the other day. And I went to the mail and picked it up, and that was the check that I had loaned him that day. He remembered me and brought something about it, brought something out about that remembrance. Active involvement, active behavior brings back to full memory. Joshua 4 and 7 shows the Lord telling the children of Israel to set up a stone monument as a memorial to those people who crossed the Jordan River at that time. He said, take 12 stones and put them in the middle of the river. In fact, I want you to get a representative from each tribe to go out there and get a stone and stack them up. And when people come by here from now on, they'll ask, what do these stones mean? And that's when you'll tell the story. We have stones set up in our lives today in honor of people who have gone on before us. And when children come together and they ask, what do these stones mean? We ought to be able to tell them of the sacrifice that people have paid for our lives to be as free as they are right now. We have the freedom to be ignorant in this country. 
We can be, I tell folk all the time, in America, you have the freedom to be all you can be or nothing. The choice is absolutely yours. And today we've come to honor folk who gave you the freedom to do nothing in this land of plenty. Another usage of the term memorial is connected to what's called stones of remembrance. Stones of remembrance cast were connected to the priest's linen jacket or ephod. And it had stones on it. The significance of the stones is because they were there to help them remember the sons of Israel. In their daily activities, they needed to know, I hail from these people. But it wasn't just there for a display. There was also another greater purpose for those stones to be there. Not just so they could see them and know they were connected to the sons of Israel and so people could see them and know that this was a high official. But it was also there, God did this, to remind them of his constant presence with them. In other words, where you go, I am with you just like I was with the sons of Israel. You don't have to worry about being alone. But there's one greater, greater memorial that you and I celebrate all the time. It's called the Lord's Supper. Oh, yeah, the Lord's Supper is, in fact, a memorial. In fact, Christ said, Luke 22 and 19, Luke records the words. When Christ talked to his disciples, he said, this is my body, which is given for you, sacrifice. This do in remembrance or in memorial of me. What does that mean? Don't just think about me. Yeah, don't just think about me. Don't just say my name. But when my name comes up, it ought to remind you that you ought to be acting like me. You ought to be living like me. You ought to be teaching and preaching like me. That's the purpose of the Lord's Supper. And that's why when you come to the Lord's Supper table, the scripture says, Paul records, if you got a problem with anybody else, you need to pause. And you need to go straighten it out because you can't come to the memorial table and not be right with the Lord. And so the memorial of the Lord's Supper is simply us remembering and acting as Christ would have us to act. And so as we prepare and celebrate Memorial Day today, I need to tell you it's about the Memorial Day is about the military. But today is not just about military folk. That scripture I read you at the beginning tells you that today is about remembering. Remembering. Remembering those who serve both God and country. Two sides. Not just country, but God and country. You and I both, when we came to say, I accept the Lord as my Savior, we, did you know you were enlisting in an army? Did you know you were enlisting in the Christian army? Yeah, when you said, Lord, I love you, that means we are soldiers, the songwriter says, in the army. Yeah, we have to fight. Yeah, although we have to cry, we have to put on the blood-stained banner. We have to hold it up until we die. And then we go through a list of folk we knew. You remember the folk in your life who were soldiers before you. The Apostle Paul said this, putting it into context for us. Ephesians 6 and 12 says, For my struggle is not against the enemies of blood and flesh, 
but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Do you understand that you are in an army? And so today is also a memorial, not just for those who died in the battle dress uniform, in the OD green, in the navy whites, not just them, but also those who had on the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. Today is a memorial for them. Five times in scripture, Jesus Christ enlisted men and women to serve the kingdom in warfare. The first time was when he called his disciples, Cass. Oh yeah, he called them. He said to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching men. Yeah, he was calling fishermen then. He enlisted them in his service. And he reminded them often that their duty was in service. Not only did he call the disciples and put them in the, in the army, he also, uh, he also enlisted people when he sent the 12 out. He gave them the powers. That's what they do in the military. They bring you in, they equip you, and then they send you out on a mission. They give you everything you need in order to work out there in the field. But what's greatest about this, this is what I love, Tyrone, that when the military, when Uncle Sam sends me out in uniform, I realize that I have the power of the United States behind me. That it's not just me. It's not just me. It's the entire United States. All I have to do is my job. And if the next person does his job, then we can fulfill the mission that's going on. We all represent, not ourselves, but a higher power. I hope somebody hears me now. When I go out, I'm not representing Andre. I'm representing Jesus, which means I have the power of heaven behind me and all the resources that come. And he has equipped me with all that I need. When he indwelled the Holy Spirit in me, he gave me the full complement of things that I need in order to represent him. And that's what he did when he called the disciples. That's what he did when he sent out the 12, when he sent out the 72, according to Luke 10, verses 1 through 4. He gave them all that they needed. In the Great Commission, before he went back to heaven, guess what he did? He gave them another commission, another job, and, and called everyone into service of mankind. You know the scriptures. He said it's the job of every Christian to go out and enlist other believers. Have you been enlisting anybody? Have you been calling anybody? Have you taken just a moment to make sure that there are other soldiers in the military? That's not just a preacher's job. I just told you every believer has that same responsibility. And if you find it hard to go out in public, start in your house. Making sure you ensure that everybody in your house is of the household of faith. As much as is in you, do what you can in order to let them know about Jesus Christ. We don't have to be afraid because I said a minute ago, you've got the power of Christ behind you. There's no enemy that can overcome you because you've got Christ on your side. Watch this now. So even though you've got these historical references to all the people that Jesus called, my question to you today, and it's a big question, is what about this church? Are we making sure that all the soldiers in this church are okay? 
Is that just Reverend Sparks' job? To make sure that every soldier in this church is okay? Do we have, like they had in scripture, do we have any battle casualties in this church? I'm not the only one who should be answering that question. Today we remember those who've come before us in this country who fought for our freedoms. But do you know we've had folk in 45th Street who've come before us who have died and fought for our freedoms as well? Who have died on the battlefield while still serving the Lord? I hope somebody hears me. Yeah, automatically it ought to come to mind some soldier you knew. Some soldier you knew who was connected to you. I'm thinking about Maine Mo this morning who died on the battlefield. Serving the Lord. He did what he could while he could. I'm thinking about my mama who died on the battlefield. Serving the Lord. She did what she could. So today is not just a memorial day for the men in uniform. Today is a memorial day for all the folk in the church who've come before us, who've worked hard in order to carry the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. So the question is, do we have any casualties? We absolutely do. We have some folk who were killed in action. Just like in the secular military, we have folk who were killed in action. Watch this, Luke 8 and 15 says, but as for, uh, but as for that in the good soil, he uses the analogy. I love this, Luke uses the analogy of the, of the uh, farmer who sows seed in different places. Because that's what we do. That's what soldiers do. Yeah. See, you, you always think about soldiering in the form of putting on weapons. Yeah, but our weapon is the word of God. <laughs> and we ought to be putting that word of God in places where it can penetrate and draw folk and encourage folk and lift them up out of their circumstances. But sometimes the seed, the word of God, doesn't go to the intended place. And so Jesus Christ took the opportunity to use the parable of a sower to tell us how sometimes that seed that's been sown gets misguided. And in that parable, he shows us in the 8th chapter of Luke how we have some soldiers who don't always, always grow as they're expected to. Watch this now, because he says some of them are killed in action. How is that? He said the sower put them in good soil. But these are the ones... When they hear the word, they hold it fast. It's the good soldier. And they put it in their heart. And they bear all the fruit they can. And they hold on patiently and endure all the adversity that comes in life. And they stay and they stay until they can't live anymore, but they die waiting on their reward. Those are the ones who've been killed in action. They didn't do anything wrong. Richard. They gave everything they could. But the reward didn't come. The parade didn't come. They're still waiting on that in glory to come. We lost them in battle. And I can go back and recount since I've been here at 45th Street, the 60 or 70 or so who've gone on to a reward beforehand. And guess what? The truth of the matter is none of us is assured that the reward will come, we too might be lost in battle. Yeah. Men and women, they were prayer warriors. You know them. 
They made sure they supported all the activities of this church, all the activities in the community. They proclaimed the word of God regardless of backlash to anybody they knew. They made sure their family was brought to church and taught in church. You know who I'm talking about. <coughs> Y'all know at least one of them. You ought to. You ought to be one of them. We call them martyrs. They're people just like the folk in the Bible. I keep telling you, the Bible didn't stop with the Bible. The Lord's still blessing folk, still making folk like Stephen. There's still folk like Stephen who've been crucified, who've been beaten to death. They may not have been beaten with rocks, but they've been beaten in character. They've been assassinated in purpose. They've been torn down on the battlefield just trying to live right. These are the folk I'm talking about. They've been lost, lost in battle. And I came to tell you that we do have some battle casualties right here in this church. Men and women who heard the word, they believed and they tried to tell everybody about it. You all hear me now. <clears throat> but not only do we have some battle casualties, I might have shamed to tell you, we got some missing in action. <clears throat> oh yeah, we got some MIAs around here. Some of them are presumed dead. Yeah, it's been that long since we've seen them. Yeah, yeah, watch this now. The parable, the parables, uh, the, the, the parable goes, Jesus said, some of the seed that was sown fell among the thorns. Yeah, these are the folk who hear the word, but they go on their way. They're choked by the cares of this world, the riches and pleasure, and their fruit does not mature. You know them. They've been raised in the church. One of the vacation Bible school they weren't brought to. Sunday school every Sunday. But then the word came. And the world came, and it seemed to choke all that word up out of them. And they seem to be, they seem to be dead out there. They, whether they're dead or not, I don't know, but they are certainly miss, missing in action. Yeah, yeah, you know these, and sometimes they got the word and seem to get excited about it. Oh yeah, they, they, they seem to get involved and participate for a little while, but then the life and word, the world moves in around them and it captures them. And before long, they don't even know that Sunday is different than Thursday. They don't give it any reverence in their lives. One time they seem to be on fire, and then they just seem to be distracted. Always pursuing material things and, and, and got all these different philosophies of life that don't ever get them anywhere. Dealing in conspiracies and, and things that don't amount to anything that's made their life any better. And for all their knowledge of worldly systems, it has not made them any better than they were. All they can ever give you is advice. And it never pans out to anything much. They're missing in action. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Be careful now. I know some of them are your brothers. I know some of them are your mothers. I know some of them are your daddies. Some of them you listening out there right now. I know it. Chokes the spiritual life out of you. Y'all know who they are. They're on the, on the roster, but we only see them occasionally. Yeah, most of the time it's at funerals, and then they dodge you. They don't want no full conversation. No, 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 no. And I give them their space because of grief. But I can't preach to them like I need to on Mother's Day because I want them to be back for Father's Day. <laughs> 
And so I got to be careful in what I say on the high days because I don't get much chance. So I got to give them a platitude so I can get them back and teach to them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But they're missing in action. They are full of knowledge and not remembering how good God has been to them. Yeah, they are not spiritually dead. Watch this now. They're not spiritually dead. They just lost. That's why James says in James 1, 21 through 25, he said, get rid of all the moral filth and evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept the word that's been planted in you, the word that can save you. Do not merely listen to it and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away immediately and forgets what he looks like. But anyone who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, like that word, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they'll be blessed in all that they do. Because of these things, you need to know that when you can take the word of God and the world overrides your appreciation of it, then you're allowing the world to choke the spiritual life out of you. It doesn't have the power to do it. You're giving it that power. And so they're missing in action and they're presumed dead. Then there's some, y'all, watch this, Brittany, some of them are prisoners of war. Oh, yeah. They're missing in action. But they are prisoners of war. Yeah. Those are the ones that fall in the rocks, and the rocks seem to have them stuck in there. And when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but they don't have any root system. And they believe only for a little while, and then in a while, they fall away. They're trapped, trapped, trapped in the gravel of life. They're believed to be prisoners, but sometimes the worst enemy they have is themselves. Oh, yeah, because they are righteous in their own mind. Yeah, they're brilliant in their own mind, and they're trapped in their own mind, and that's why they're prisoners. They avoid, avoid the church for a multitude of reasons. Some of them say they've been hurt. Somebody in the church hurt me. And that's become one of the favorite things for people to say, that they've had church hurt. And church hurt keeps them away. And I figured out that church hurt is painful, but it's hurt nonetheless. And it's no more hurt than marital hurt, than family hurt, than on your job hurt. And all those circumstances, if you want those situations to work, you got to get up and do something about that hurt. Uh, you can't just jump from place to place because you've been hurt. Some have been exposed to false teaching, false religion, and false philosophies, and some of them are even in straight-up cults. They're prisoners. People who are tried to enlist, and I got to blame you now. Sometimes we didn't do a good job at the recruitment office. Sometimes we didn't make the job of realistic enough and people think that when they come through the front door it's going to always be all right going to be howdy howdy and, 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 and sunshine and bubbles all day and I came to tell you that we're realistic about how we bring folk in and we can't stop trouble from coming in your life 
All we can say is we'll stand with you and go through it with you. These people are missing in action. We got to go get them. Some of them may have deserted already and we're not aware of it. They've been captured and rendered helpless because of the world system. Whatever the reason, the results are the same. They stopped fighting. They gave up, Cass. They once knew salvation, but they walked away from it. So the question is, what do we do about those who are just missing in action? Well, can I tell you this? Jesus wasn't satisfied in one sheep being lost. The Bible says he told the story of the shepherd who had a hundred sheep, got up one night late in the evening and started counting his sheep and realized that only 99 of them were there. My Bible tells me that he's the kind of shepherd who will leave the 99 and go get the one, the one that's missing. We got to adopt that attitude too. So let me ask you, what are you doing about the ones that are missing in action? Have you gone out there to try to find anybody? You know some of them. You wave at them on the way to church in the morning. But you need to go out there and make sure you bring them back into the 99. That's our job. Memorial isn't just for remembering, it's for go-getting too when you can. Let's go pick up some folk who we know out there struggling. Let's bring them back into the fold. Let's love them and love them again and then love them again and then love them again until they find themselves in a good space. Can I tell you why you need to do that? Because God did it for you. Oh yeah, you think just because you've been here for a while that Somebody's forgotten what you used to be. No, that's not the case. We still remember when you were struggling. You ought to remember when you were struggling. Because if you remember how you struggle, that'll make you get up and go get somebody else in the midst of that struggling. But what we've done is we've gotten into a place where we've been doing good so long we forgot how it felt to do bad. And it's only when you remember the pain of sin in your life, that you can get up and go deal with somebody else who's still struggling in a different way. I came to tell you, why don't they know who you are anymore? Why do they look at you and don't listen to you anymore? Do they see the contempt you have for them in your eyes? Do they see the disgust you have for them in your eyes? Oh, thank God. He didn't look at me like I was what I was when he saved me. Thank God he thought I was good enough. He thought I was worth saving. So he cleaned me up. He thought I was worth keeping. And so he's been with me the whole time. There are some soldiers out there who are lost in action. Come on, 4-5, let's go get them. There are some family members out there who are struggling. They've been struggling a long time. They may have been struggling longer than you've been living. Let's go get them. Let's stop letting the world have dominion over their lives and let's go let love reign. But first, love has got to rule in your life. Let's make today the memorial day that we go get somebody. Yeah, we remember. We remember. We remember that they're still out there. So I'm excited. You know why I'm excited? Because Jesus saw that mankind was struggling. Couldn't do anything to save himself. And so he decided that he was going to get off his high place and come down to a low place to save all of us. And he did. He got up off heaven's throne. 
And he came down here to save us. And he came down here and lived with us. And he realized what the struggle was, Cass, and he saw how powerful the world system was. But still, he lived a perfect life. And he stayed here long enough until heaven was satisfied that a man could come and live a righteous life. And then guess what he did? It wasn't enough for him to come and just do the, get the information and take it back to heaven. That wasn't enough for him. No, he couldn't just do an advance report and go back to heaven and say, God, you can live down there and not sin. That wasn't enough for him. He decided he was going to go all the way in the world system. Not just live for us, but he decided he was going to live and die for us. Why? Because he thought I was worth saving. Why? Because heaven required it. He didn't just come to foreign soil and inspect the problem. He came and corrected the problem by giving his life. That's the Jesus I know. He loved me to death. Because he thought I was worth saving. That's the Jesus I know. And that's why I'm a soldier. And I'll follow my commander all the way. There won't be a time on this side of heaven that I won't follow his commands. Will you join me in this army, in this battle, in this fight? We don't have to be like those in the Bible. Paul talked about them. He said Demas was in love with this present world. We got some that are. That's all right. We'll go get them and love them anyway. We'll bring them right back in here. And oh, what a victory. The day you stand in this place celebrating with me and you see the one who was lost sitting there celebrating with you. You might have to go get them again, but they're worth it. We'll go get them as much as we need to until it sticks. Why? Because Jesus did the same thing for you. And so for those of us sitting here today, listening here today, the ones who are part of this church, the ones who fight in the battle, what will you do? Who's the one that God has placed on your heart that you, heart that you need to go get? What will you do to go find them? Do like Jesus. Today's a memorial day for all the soldiers, the ones actively fighting and the ones lost in battle. Let's go rescue the ones we can. Why? Because we don't leave any man behind. May God bless you today is my prayer.